praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this day. You are our God and our Father. We thank you, Father, for bringing us together, Father, whether it's physically in the building, Father, or whether it's uh, over the Zoom or the Internet, Father. We just thank you for your presence, Lord, and we thank you for the call you have on each one of our lives, Lord. Lord, we just pray even right now, Father, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears, Father. Lord, um, just let it be your words, Father, not mine, Father. Let it be your words, Father, the, the message that you have that you have uh, given to me. Lord, let it, just be, let it just be you. We ask this and we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I, I always do a little bit of flipping, right? I always do a little, I always do a little bit of flipping here. Um, so my, uh, my message for today is, you can't lose. Huh? That sounds like a good message. You can't lose. Amen. You can't lose. Um, my scripture is going to be Romans chapter 8. It'll be verses uh, 35 through 39. Um, we're going to start here. I'm going to read uh, Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verse, verses 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Um, where God calls us to exhort each other daily. We need encouragement. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. We all need encouragement from one another. That's one, of the, uh, that's one of the responsibilities of the church, of the body coming together, encouragement. Um, and so my hope is that the things that uh, I share with you today will encourage you and um, eh, maybe uh, at the end a little bit of a challenge, a little challenge there. Um, I, always like to, I always like to tell everyone um, that what, that what I'm sharing is what I know I hear God speak to me, uh, speak to me about. So God's always working with me with things. And I thank God and I thank uh, Pastor for giving me the opportunity to share it, um, to share it with the congregation. My scripture again is uh, Romans chapter 8. Um, I, the last time I spoke was a few, you know, a few months ago, maybe beginning of the summer or something. And um, I'm, after I had after I had spoken, uh, I remember I was like, "The hopper's empty. <laughs> I don't have there's nothing. I'm, I got a blank." And um, so, of course, but I, I had I had made a uh, I had made a promise to God that I would diligently study on a regular basis. And he has helped me, and he's helped me do that. And so again, I just tell everybody to encourage you that if you want to hear from God, study. Don't just read the word; study it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Play it back. And uh, you know, he'll bring it to your mind throughout different situations in your life, and you'll and you'll hear him. I know it. He'll, you'll hear him. So uh, we read in Romans. Romans now is uh, Paul is writing to the uh, Christians that are in Rome. Right, and Paul has not been to Rome yet, but these there are Christians there that um, uh, we believe were in Jerusalem, perhaps during the early Christian churches, maybe the day of Pentecost, 
and had come back to Rome and started churches. And it is Paul's uh, desire, and he will, to travel to Rome and help uh, teach and preach and encourage these, uh, encourage these Christians. So he's writing uh, his letter to them be, you know, before he gets there. And uh, so Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake... We are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I started... Uh, studying that and, and trying to listen. And, um, and, and, and what God kept bringing me back to was verse 38, persuaded. For I am persuaded. And um, in, the, in the New International Version, it uses the term convinced. And persuaded and convinced are actually synonyms. Synonym? Yeah, they mean the same thing. They basically mean the same thing, synonyms. And in the Greek translation, it means trust, confidence, believe, obey. Um, if you ask Miriam, she'll tell you to cause by evidence to believe something and to take a course of action to be completely sure, forced by the power of argument to accept something, succeed in causing one to consent to doing something. So convinced and persuaded is more than just knowledge. It's more than just knowledge. It's an acknowledgement of something, and it's an action. It's what drives us to do something. Overwhelming evidence that will cause me to do something. It's evidence and the surety of something. Surety. Yes, something that I see, that I believe over and over and over and over again. I am convinced and persuaded. Hence, I will act in a certain way. And so, again, I'm always thinking, and I'm thinking like, well, what am I convinced and persuaded about? What what convinces and persuades me? And so I thought about it a little bit, and I said, hmm, I know, God's creation I know, that's something I see every day. I'm convinced and persuaded, and I take an action because I know it. I know it, I know, I know, I know it. What are you talking about, Jack? I'm convinced and persuaded that that sun is going to rise every morning. I know that. And if at all possible, I will expose as much of my skin to it as I can, because I know those UV rays are going to do one, all right, this is me, they're going to do wonderful things to my skin. It makes me feel nice and warm. I feel like I look a little sharper when I got a little more color. Um, I'm convinced and persuaded. I'm a minimalist, and I'll 
my wife will tell you. I mean, I'll try to, even when I'm at work at lunch, oh, you know, it can be December. Let me get the sun, right? I'm convinced and persuaded, and my actions indicate that. There's minimal hesitation. I don't give it a lot of thought. Eh, I'm not sure. By my actions, I have the surety. Now, some people I understand, they may actually have the opposite, right? You may be convinced and persuaded by that sun and that UV rays that as soon as you go out, you're putting something up to your wrist, putting up to the neck, putting the bucket hat on, but you're convinced and persuaded because you know that you know that you know that sun's coming up every day and those rays are coming out, right? But then I had to actually think a little bit more. Am I more convinced about the sun rising than I am about the son's love for me? Hmm. Sometimes by my actions, um, I might be a little more convinced about God's creation, the son. Hmm. So then I had, to, I had to go do a little like word search. Um, God's creation is mentioned about 226 times in the Old Testament. And, of course, the number can float a little bit depending on what translation you're reading. But God's creation is made, mentioned about 226 times in the Old Testament, while his love for mankind is mentioned about 130 times, about half as much in the Old Testament. But if we go to the New Testament, God's creation is mentioned about 62 times, while his love for us through Jesus Christ, is mentioned 180 times. Three times as much in the New Testament is God talking to us about his love for us through Christ Jesus. Clearly, there's a shift between the old and the new in terms of what God's message is speaking to us about. I'm sorry, you know, this is the way my mind goes, right? <laughs> oh, oh, write it down, write it down. Write it. Why do I, so again, why do I sometimes don't feel convinced and persuaded of, uh, of God's love for me and that I, it, it can never be separated? So again, we said, you know, Paul says, I am persuaded and convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Okay, Paul lays all that stuff out in the scriptures. Huh. Yeah, but what about my... So then I got to think, well, what about my feelings? I don't feel like God's loving me right now. What? Wait. Nowhere does it say that God's love is dependent on what, how we feel about it. It doesn't say... Life, death, principalities, oh, and, and you've got to make sure you feel it. There's nothing there that says God's love for me is dependent on how I feel about it. The thing is, we don't fully understand his love for us because we frame it in the way we love and in the way we love, other, in the way we love others, right? Sometimes we don't feel like we deserve love. Sometimes we know even those we love, we might 
sometimes withhold our love from them if they don't do something like that we really like at the moment. Hmm. Uh, you might say, well, Jack, that's being kind of shallow. I don't withhold love from uh, people I love. And I'll say, look at your face. Look at the toot you might have uh, in the moment. You're not always all rainbows and unicorns. Uh, you might be sending a message uh, from time to time, right? And so we tell ourselves we don't feel God's love today, and sometimes because we feel like we don't deserve it. And of course, we don't deserve His love. We sin every day. We miss the mark. But we believe that a piece of God's love for us is dependent on our behavior. A feeling that if we had disappointed God and maybe God is withholding some of his love or at least he might be frowning on me right now. And then I had to think for a minute, hey, wait a minute. The sun doesn't depend on how I feel. Right? That sun comes up every morning and shines its rays on me. That doesn't depend on how I feel. We know it's not scriptural. We know God is not holding back in any way, shape, or form. We just read it again in, in Romans. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. How can then we become more convinced and persuaded of the Son's love? Well, again, it goes back to evidence and surety, something again and again and again. And so we, uh, we read in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When you accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit came in to live within you. God will not drop you. He will not start something he won't finish. Hmm. How many people start things and don't finish them? Yeah, yeah I started. When are you going to finish? One of these days. One of these days I'll finish, right? We all start things and we don't always finish them. Maybe, maybe I'll finish it. God doesn't start something and not finish it. It also says, we didn't begin the good work. We didn't begin the good work. It says, he began the good work in you. He will finish it. Thank you, Father. The Bible doesn't say we began it. The, the, Father, the Father began the good work, and he will finish it, and he's working on us each and every day, regardless of how we feel. Evidence. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, um, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. God has never failed a promise. We just heard uh, Elder Darren speak about promises. God cannot make a promise and not complete it. 
God has never failed a promise. He cannot deny himself. He will do it. You can't get any more surety than that. And sanctification is a constant growing process. It will go on and on until we meet the Lord Jesus Christ. God will not let you down. Evidence. Let's pull it back to Romans. We go back to Romans chapter 8. And we just pull it back a few verses. Verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit that's living inside us. Now, what, no matter what your interpretation or limitations of what a father is, and of course it's all clouded by our own uh, experiences, we still cry out to our Abba Father. When we may not feel as though God loves us or that He is there, the presence of the Holy Spirit reminds us he gives us that surety that we are sons and daughters of Christ. I had to think about it a little bit. I loved my father, and I know my father loved me. But I got to tell you, I was also a little fearful of him. Even at 40 and 50 years old, me, 40 and 50, right? You know, if my father said something in that stern voice, which he did... I had a little bit of that spirit of fear, right? And if uh, I, I became 10 years old again, yes. right? Yes. Except the, uh, the 40 and 50-year-old uh, Jack would just say, you know what, and I'd just walk away. And I'd have a little bit of an anger inside me, right? And then I, I contrast that to our father. I have my own pity party sometimes. I get, I get angry or I get upset, and I say it, I, I, I say it, but I can't hold on to that. I can't hold on to that. And sooner rather than later, when I was younger, it was a little later, it's a little sooner now, I cry out, Father, forgive me. My heart, the Holy Spirit bears witness to us, that evidence, yes. that evidence, that surety. Oh, thank you, Father. God is giving us evidence and surety through His Word and through His Spirit inside us. We have that evidence and that surety. Okay. So now you're saying, all right, where's Jack going with this? I know Jesus, and I know Jesus loves me. I know it. And I say that's the issue. What? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, walked with Jesus through almost his whole earthly ministry. He knew him. If anybody knew Jesus well, and Jesus knew Peter, it had to be Peter. Yet Peter stumbled, fumbled, doubted, failed many times throughout that whole three-plus-year uh, three period. In fact, at the end of the three years, 
Peter knew Jesus so well that he didn't know him. What? Uh, I don't know him. Nope, 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 not me. Hey, you know Jesus. No, uh, no, 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 not me. Not today. Peter knew Jesus so well. He got to the point where he got, I don't even, I don't know him. Hmm. Was he so sure? I, you know, I wonder. Was he convinced and persuaded? Was Peter convinced and persuaded? Was he so sure of Christ's love for him and that it could never be separated from him that he would do anything our Savior asked of him? You see, when there's just a knowing, there's a hesitation, a maybe, a might. Let me think about it for a minute. Hmm, I know, I know, I know, I know. Let me think about it. What will it, what will it, what, what will it cost me? What if I'm wrong? I mean, I know, but mm, what if I'm wrong? You know, I don't know I can do it today, maybe tomorrow. So we don't act on the knowledge, right? We don't take any action. Maybe we delay, maybe we hesitate. And so I was trying to, I was trying to think about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, we associate knowing Jesus like this, like this deck of cards. Deck of cards. We associate knowing Jesus like a deck of cards. We associate knowing Jesus like he's an ace. Like Jesus is an ace in this deck of cards, right? How many people know there's an ace in, these, in this deck of cards? This is not trick cards, right? Yeah, I know. There's an ace in there. Okay, go ahead. Are you convinced and persuaded you're going to pull it today? Well, how many pulls? No, one pull. Uh, no, three. Yeah, but I know there's aces. All right. Are you convinced and persuaded? Oh, six. So we hesitate. We know Jesus loves us. We know... We know uh, He's got our back, but we treat him like he's an ace in the deck of cards. We know he's in there, but convinced and persuaded? Convinced and persuaded? Today? Mm, Not today. When things really count and God is speaking to your heart, how how many times do we respond like Jesus is the ace in that deck of cards. Maybe if I'm feeling lucky today. Is today my lucky day? Oh, Lord, today's my lucky day. I, I believe it. I know Jesus loves me, and I want to do what he has put before me, and I know it, but I have to work my way through a bunch of deuces. I said deuce, right? I got to work my way through a bunch of stuff before... Uh, before I pull that ace. Hmm. So then I thought, okay, let's, let's go back and look at Peter again. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
and they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Peter and John have now, we see, been arrested for preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. And they actually performed, I believe, a healing, uh, a healing there. And then we read that the Jewish leaders came and put hands on them. Put hands, get your hands off. I mean, who likes to have someone put hands on them, right? And then we have Peter, the most boisterous, the most confrontational, the most likely person to swing back, right? And the Bible doesn't say anything. They put hands on him and put these guys, they, they put him in basically prison overnight, right? There's a, there's a hint here that something has changed. Maybe Peter is convinced and persuaded now. There's something's changed. He didn't fight back. We see a glimpse of something's changed. The, reli- the religious leaders didn't know what to do with them, right? And so uh, continuing in Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 18 to 21, we read, So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus Christ. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. I believe here we now see Peter and John convinced and persuaded. They acted on exactly what they knew. No hesitation. No, let me think about it. Maybe tomorrow. They would do anything in any situation on any day. The surety of Christ's love in their lives enabled them to accomplish anything. The key, the secret, the difference, the Holy Spirit. The surrendering of their flesh, their spirit, their will, and allowing themselves to be uh, filled, as was evident in the day of Pentecost. Not their will anymore, but thine will be done. Are you convinced? Are we convinced and persuaded so much of Christ's love for us that we would follow the Holy Spirit direction each and every day? That the love of Christ is behind all our actions? Listen, we can't live our lives wondering if we'll pull an ace this morning, right? We need to come to that same surety of Christ's love for us. How can we remember that surety? Again, nothing can separate us. Nothing. We can't be wondering. We can't be wondering if I if I'll pull an ace. Yes. That's right. Right. So I thought about it. Renata, God loves you, and Jesus has got your back. Ace. Daryl, God loves you and Jesus has got your back. Ace. Sister Marie, Jesus loves you. He's got your back. Drew and Ace. Candace, God loves you. Jesus has got your back. Ace. God has stacked the deck 
in your favor. God has stacked the deck in your favor. You can't lose. You can't lose. You will draw an ace each and every morning. Be convinced and persuaded. You can't lose. Just believe it. Believe it. And listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Father, not my will, but your will be done every day. That was so encouraging to me for, for God to say, God, God, I stack the deck in your favor. You can't lose. Just believe it. Be convinced and persuaded. And then there, there was a challenging piece to this message um, because I felt, impressed, I felt impressed too about the timeline. Uh, Paul wrote this uh, letter to the Christians in Rome. He wrote it in about 57 to 58 A.D., right, before he got to visit there. He eventually made it there. He got there in about A.D. 60, about two years later. And for about two years, Paul preached and teached, and, you know, sometimes it was under house arrest, right? But he still was able to reach the Christians in Rome, teaching them, uh, preaching to them about being convinced and persuaded about the love of God that, and the love of Jesus Christ in their life. Now, about two years after that, there was a great fire in Rome. Devastating fire. And Nero blamed the Christians. Somebody was responsible. I don't think the Christians were responsible. But someone was responsible and so Nero blamed the Christians. And so the persecution of the Christians started. And uh, so these Roman Christians were per persecuted in uh, many different ways. It started with uh, them just being ostracized from certain things. Uh, you're not invited, that kind of stuff. Uh, ostracized from um, excluding from public spaces, public forums, not allowed to go to certain areas. Um, eventually, uh, some of them were uh, exiled. You need to leave now. Uh, and of course, we know that it continued uh, to, to, to uh, ramp up. They were eventually imprisoned, condemned, public executions. We know that in some terrific, horrific, uh, you know, terrible ways. Um, if they wouldn't recant, recant their faith. Yeah. And we look at that, we know this, and we look at it and we think about it, and we said, my God, how did they do it? How could they do it? How could they stand so strong for their faith? Lose their livelihoods? And some of them, we know, lost their lives. I believe it was because they were convinced and persuaded. They were convinced and persuaded of Christ's love for them. They took action. They did whatever they had to do. They stood and standed strong. And so what I believe is I believe God wants us to be convinced and persuaded of his love and that Christ has your back, right? And I also believe that we're in difficult times. And I also believe that things are not going to necessarily get better, right? And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit full control of our lives. Now is the time that we need to be convinced and persuaded.
And so what I'm saying is every morning, draw that ace out of your deck. You can't lose. Be convinced and persuaded. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. The time is now. We need to be more than ready. We need to live victorious lives. And so I leave you with, remember, God loves you. Jesus has got your back. Listen and act on what the Holy Spirit is telling each, each one of us. Because you can't lose. Can't lose. You can't lose.